Warning, the following podcast contains Eli. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by Blue Apron, Robin Hood, and by Tylenol Mighty. Does your headache from trying to reconcile the inherent contradictions in your biblical worldview? Well, try Tylenol Mighty, and we'll rid you of all that pesky thinking. And now, The Scathing Atheist. Hi, we're Mark and Jim from Fallacious Trump. The podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a tiny-handed narcissist to explain logical fallacies. And the more we study Trump, the clearer it becomes that we did in fact evolve from filthy monkey men. It's August 9th. And it's National Handholding Day. So we're going to put on a podcast for you. It's like on the radio, but on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I have no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. From New York, New York, Cincinnati Swing State, and <laughs> Good Husband, Georgia, this <laughs> is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, we'll record this in the past with bits from the future because we're not here right now. Jeff Sessions announces a biblical space force to prevent church space separation. <laughs> and Bible Peace Theater gives us a Mora Gomorrah. But first, the diatribe. Victory is only inevitable in retrospect. I mean, you know, from a determinist perspective, sure, everything's inevitable. But for those of us who are fans of history, it's easy to fall into this delusion like that says you can predict the hundredth percentile of the victory based on that first ninety nine percent, because all the victories we ever saw went to a ninety ninth percent before a hundred. Right. And in times like these, when secularists look around and see theocrats encroaching on everything they hold dear, it can be damn tempting to comfort ourselves in that delusion. Right. To look over our shoulders at how far we've come and assume that momentum will somehow carry us over the finish line like some kind of atheist manifest destiny. But this is exactly the worst time to do that. You can't move forward while you're looking over your shoulder. And if you try, you're going to fuck it up. And I see people making this mistake all the time. Hell, half a presidential administration ago, a lot of people were saying the fight was over. We got to hang up our gloves. And I get it. I, I see how you get there. You glance around at history and you say, look, we've got God swept all the way into this one tiny little corner here. I mean, sure, most people still believe in God to some level, but they cast him aside whenever there's a secular solution. You know, they don't sacrifice to God for good weather. They check the forecast. They don't trust God to keep their building up, right? They use math and zoning codes. They don't turn to God with their colicky baby. They turn to a doctor. They don't pray to God for a good crop. They use modern fertilizers and pesticides. And given all of that and the relentless advance of science, isn't it safe to assume that the God of the gaps will eventually get spackled into obscurity if you just keep running the tape forward? But it's a mistake to think that we just get to keep running the tape forward. Right. The advance of science can only be relentless when religion relents. Every time science wrested another explanation out of God's hands, the church reached out to snatch it back. God didn't voluntarily recede to those gaps. We had to hammer him in there over centuries. And the tighter the gap, the more strength religion has to push back when you're trying to close that gap any further. 
right? I mean, here's how it's actually gone, right? Science and religion conflict on something. They fight. People generally die. But over time, science wins because it's true. And then religion begrudgingly retreats a little bit. And it doesn't just retreat to like the next thing science is going to find out, right? It generally moves back to where no one in the present moment can imagine science ever getting. If science is a G, they don't just go to H. They go to like L or M or something. But of course, reality has a better imagination than religion. So eventually, science actually does encroach on their new lines. Previously, unthinkable things like an explanation for the diversity and specialization of life or the origin of the universe itself pop out of scientific research and we start the fight all over again. And over the centuries, we've seen this happen so many times that it might seem like an endless cycle, but it's not. It can't be. This is a limited playing field. And right now, science is around like W or X. There's not much alphabet left for religion to retreat to anymore. I mean, consider where they had to retreat last time we did this shit. We traced the universe back to the beginning of time itself. And then they were like, okay, but what about before time, though? And, you know, I mean, this is easy to laugh at. But when we do it, we're laughing at a cornered animal. I mean, think about what's left for God at this point. The providence of God is the cutting edge of science. And as science advances, the cutting edge becomes all the more important. The genetic code, for example, is the providence of God. For millennia, we turned to God whenever a baby was born all fucked up and had a miserable short life because of it. We've needed to invoke God's mysterious plan to cope with shit like that. But along the way, God's plan necessarily included the occasional two-headed baby. So now, faced with the ability to actually fix a lot of these genetic abnormalities, we have to fight against a bunch of religious idiots accusing science of playing God. Destroying the world is the providence of God. I mean, we couldn't do it for most of human history, but now we're having at it like we're trying to win a bet and good luck convincing dedicated Christians that mere humans could actually imperil God's creation. Hell, even if they accept that we are destroying the earth, it'll have to be part of God's plan, right? He'll be destroying the world through us. And that's a good thing. He has important shit to do with the world once it's destroyed and he wouldn't want us standing in his way. And, and those are the things that we're fighting about now. But imagine how much these fights could mean in the future. I mean, nothing screams providence of God quite like immortality, right? And, and sure, there's no current technology that's going to grant us eternal life, but it's not like that breaks the laws of physics or anything. It's not hard to imagine some new discovery in the next few decades that could, for example, render humans impervious to aging. I mean, that's not exactly immortality, but it's close enough to brush up against God's turf. So what will religion do? Now, granted, most of them will just take the fucking elixir and retrofit some kind of justification about how God wants them to spend as much time on earth as possible converting the heathens or something. But some of them are going to push back. Immortality is God's job, not humanity's. They'll accuse those damn scientists of thwarting the Lord and robbing people's souls of their opportunity to live with him in heaven. They will fight on the side of death itself if they think it can rescue their God from antiquation. And our job as atheists, as secularists, as vassals of reality is to serve as the skirmish line for science, right? We already know where the theocrats have drawn their battle lines and our job is to turn them out of those trenches before science ever gets there. So as tempting as it is to just pat ourselves on the back for the tiny little corner we've left for religion, a room isn't clean just because all the dirt's in the same fucking corner. We need to save the self-congratulations for the day when we've swept them off the board. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are past tense Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. We were gearing up for the live show in Chicago this week, so we didn't have time to stay abreast of the news to the degree that we normally do. But we've been stockpiling a few headlines for just such an occasion. And we'll get to those right after a word from this week's first sponsor, Blue Apron. 
Remind me why we're doing this again. Just be cool. Hey, guys. Hey. How's it going, bro? Good. Good. Thanks for coming over for dinner. First time hosting a meal in my new place. Still haven't cleared those bottles and cans, huh? No, these are these are new ones. Oh, sure. Cleared the other ones. Okay, gather around the table here. Let's do it. Uh, this is a couch cushion propped up by two folding chairs. Eli. Mm-hmm. I mean, cool table, Keith. That's cool. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So our first course is a cheese course. So, uh, okay. I mean, you guys want to open your mouths or you want a Dixie cup? They let you take as many as you want at the dentist. So I have a lot of I'm, I'm Dixie cups. actually good on the uh, spray cheese. Thank you. Okay. Your loss, Noah. Cheese course, Dixie cup. Um, I'm spray. good. Um, hey Heath, why don't you just try Blue Apron? Oh, what's Blue Apron? It's the number one meal delivery service in the country. Yeah, they deliver perfectly portioned ingredients right to your door, along with easy to follow recipe cards. So you aren't just cooking; you're learning to cook as well. Yeah, but like, aren't those boxes just the same stuff over and over? Not at all. Their recipes are seasonally inspired. So, for instance, if you signed up this month, you could get chicken with barbecue sauce and juicy cheeseburgers with spicy slaw, as opposed to the main course you're planning to service, which is... Oh, it was the the canned cheese, actually. Wait, I I thought the the cheese was the first course. I mean, it is. Cool. I mean, first. I use Blue Apron all the time, and even though they didn't ask us to plug this bit... A couple weeks ago, Anna and I tried one of their multi-course dinner party boxes. It made hosting a snap. Okay, guys, but you know what? Some of us are on a budget now that we live alone. You're so. you're holding a solid gold ping pong paddle. And, yeah, that's where and let me finish, and have to budget differently now. But, but Heath, you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free at blueapron.com slash scathing. That's blueapron.com slash scathing to get your first three meals free. Yeah, man, Blue Apron. It's a better way to cook. Fine. I'll try Blue Apron. Now, if you hold out your bowls, I'll squeeze you both some soup. I'm good. Me too. And now, back to the headlines already in progress. And in God is an arms dealer news. We're pretty sure that God is an arms dealer. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Speaking of which, there's a chance we might have finally found something fundamentally dangerous about being a Christian. <gasps> oh, I knew yeah. we'd find something eventually. I knew. <laughs> right. So obviously we've been trying for years to bring up stuff like genocide, you know, but uh, you can't really complain about a zero sum game. But when the killings don't accomplish a coordinated goal, like most of the shootings here in the United States, that's just all negative at that point. And according to a recent study, Christian nationalists in America are incapable of understanding gun control because they genuinely believe that God wants them to have guns. They're just like, maybe he misses me. You don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, <laughs> if they actually understood their book, they'd probably be running around with swords sticking out of their mouths. And that might be even more dangerous, like especially in traffic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the level of insane delusion that emerges from this study is terrifying. It turns out that your political party is not the best predictor of your stance on guns. It's actually Christian nationalism. Really? Believing the United States is a Christian nation 
means you're pretty much guaranteed to oppose every single regulation on handheld explodey death machines. <laughs> Which, by the way, needs to be the term we always use. Yeah, from there now you on. go. We're not looking for gun control. We're looking for just general handheld explodey death machine control. <laughs> Anything that falls into that category. Feels like it's hard to argue against some amount of that control, but not if you own a cross and a Confederate flag, because at that point you can argue against literally anything. So I mean, pretty big problem. When your mascots are a war you lost for good reason and a God who sacrificed himself to himself, limiting magazine size isn't really something you're going to you know, <laughs> grasp. You're not going to be like, hey, <laughs> yeah, no, your nuts, your cousin's nuts and straws rounds out the you're going to grasp list <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So ah, this whole story, it's just wildly, wildly depressing if you think about it too long. The only part I enjoyed was the explanation from the research team about how their conclusions tied in the concept of American exceptionalism. And if you're not familiar, that's the idea that America and its ideals of freedom make this country unique. And therefore, uh, any mention of concrete facts regarding other countries is incapable of being used to argue against whoever's talking about how great we are at yep. that exact moment <laughs> and using the term American exceptionalism. But there's a flip side to that coin that gets ignored all the time. Exceptional can be negative, too. You can right. be exceptionally negative. I mean, I think the United States does have exceptionally good protection of individual liberty, but we're also exceptionally bad with other things, like how we're full of religious idiots and there you go. how we have a mass shooting about once a day in 2018. Jesus. Yeah, but we are the freest to die of any first yeah. world country by a long <laughs> right. shot, right? You know, you know, America, you can have A, freedom slogans, or B, the world's highest incarceration rate. <laughs> Choose wisely. Ooh, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> well, Eli, what were you going to say? A B, B. B, okay. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so here's the exact words from the research team. I'm going to leave everyone with this. Quote, nerds. American exceptionalism in regard to the intensity of religion may, therefore, help explain American exceptionalism in terms of mass shootings. Setting themselves apart from comparable countries, Americans are turning to Christian values instead of gun control to end mass shootings, <laughs> end quote. <gasps> so, in conclusion, fuck! Yeah, we're all gonna die, and not in a fun way. And in table tenets news tonight, Tables without Bibles on them became bigoted this month as Christianity continues its desperate effort to be persecuted against in the most Christian country in the world with mostly indoor airports. This latest <laughs> attempt came after an anonymous member of the Military Religious Freedom Foundation complained about the use of a Bible in a display meant to honor POWs and MIAs. The MRFF sent a letter to the base's commander. The commander said, hey, our bad, and fixed it by switching out the Bible for an interfaith book that doesn't denote any particular religion. And with all the rational voices thus satisfied, the situation was under control. It was left to the irrational voices to take it from there. Uh, sorry, quick question. What the fuck is an interfaith book? Yeah. <laughs> Parts of this book are wrong. Turn to page four if you think it's the Muslims. Right, yeah. No clue, but apparently it satisfied the MRFF. Um, so the first major freakout came from Fox News contributor and man who Jesus would say has a martyr complex, Todd Starnes. Ooh, T. Starnes? Yeah, he's the best. And he looks like a baby wearing a Truman Capote skin mask, which is pretty great. Or 
Maybe Truman Capote wearing a baby skin mask. Yeah. It's hard to say which, which is <laughs> honestly equal, troubling that you can't say both. which. Either way, it's a wild party. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, so Todd Starnes took to the airwaves to warn that the Department of Veterans Affairs was removing Bibles from hospitals and suggested it was because atheists were, quote, offended by the presence of a Bible, end quote. Needless to say, he didn't bother to contextualize that with the words, when it's used in a display meant to honor all the men and women in the military, more than a third of whom aren't Christian. He then closed his blood and thunder Jeremiah by threatening to tell the president on us. It's the best. <laughs> tell the president on us for violating the Christian right of seeing non-Christians be honored by the Bible all yeah, yeah. the time. Right. That they have. Like the constitutional right of enjoy our book. Enjoy it now. Yes. Enjoy our book now. Right. <laughs> Wait right here and watch your reaction to my novel. Yes. <laughs> Man, your your novel has very specific rape instructions. It's gonna gotta put a price on it. It's fucking weird, man. I, I don't, don't, know I don't if you mind want saying notes. it's fucking weird. <laughs> of course, there's no stupid Todd Starnes can deliver that the Family Research Council can't eclipse. So I also wanted to share the response of one Chris Gasek, a senior fellow for regulatory affairs at the FRC, who argued, quote, creating the interfaith book could be seen as violating the First Amendment by demonstrating government bias in favoring one kind of religious content over another and establishing a preferred religion, or in this case, what? many religions, end oh. quote. What? This violates the First Amendment because it shows a preference for no preference. Yes, right. I got it. I got it. Listen, when you separate church from the state, you move the state towards anti-church by definition. <laughs> Therefore, it's yeah. a thinker. It, it, it might uh, seem like that argument a lot. is in need of a retroactive won't somewhere. But I, I think I get what he's trying to say. Because, look, the U.S. military recognizes 221 different religions. And if they favored all of them equally that would be 221 times worse than just favoring Christianity, right? Oh, Even okay. more church-state violation. And by the way, I'm not saying that because it's a good argument or anything, but I'm still proud of myself for even following what he thought he was saying in that instance, <laughs> right? It's like when the spell check on Eli's notes is like, fucked if I know, but I can tell what he's going for. It's that feeling. <laughs> oh, red squiggle guy, you work so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Still, you got to wonder what a military where they favored 221 religions would look like. All right, listen up, recruits. <clears throat> I, sorry, I mean, those of you who haven't ritualistically deafened yourself as part of your religions. In the next few weeks, you will train to defeat your enemy. <clears throat> sir, e sir. Except, except, of course, for those of you who are pacifists, you will train to do other Stuff, I, I guess. Either way, you must remember the Marine Creed. Family. Mm, um, sorry. Un unless you don't believe in biological families. Thank you. So, Thank uh, you. And, then, and then God. <clears throat> Sir, there's... Uh, Seriously? I mean, how can you be a religion without... Okay, no, it's fine. It's fine. Never mind that one. And country. Uh, uh, sir, uh, you know what? Uh, I give you up. Can't, you can't I save. give up. Nobody's here because it's always a religious holiday any damn way. And in burial or cremation news, we have a new development in the legal battle that's been raging in Texas over the appropriate way to dispose of aborted fetal remains. On one side, you have evangelical Texas lawmakers who continue their efforts to require burials or cremations. And on the other side, you have pro-choice women uh, or in the regional parlance, 
uh, whores yes. who <laughs> want to bathe in the blood of their prey to prevent aging, obviously. And also um, atheist podcasters with a very interesting interpretation of Peter Singer veganism who want to make protein shakes. Okay, tattletale. And we, and okay. Some of us just want to collect the whole set so they can form fetus Voltron. Oh, so cool. <laughs> fetus lion robots is an amazing concept for anything. <laughs> That's the best. Yes. So just in case you missed it, here's a quick background on what's been happening. Texas made a law requiring fetus funerals, but that got struck down earlier this year for being fucking absurd by U.S. District Judge David Ezra. He ruled that the law imposed an undue burden on women's rights, a doi, and pointed <laughs> out that the money required to fund these funerals would only serve to bump up the price on abortions, not to mention upping the price of anti-aging bath beads and meal <laughs> smoothies. Well, in order to counter that argument, the Texas Conference of Catholic Bishops agreed to pay for all the, the miniature funerals. Fucking what? Because, yeah, Texas has very few societal problems and no recent natural disasters whatsoever. So they were flush with money and it was, right. it was fine. So, yeah, okay, for the record, when the court's ruling was that would unduly oppress women, the Catholic Church's response was, and we will pay to make it happen. <laughs> I mean, can I buy your baby a coffin is the new can I buy you a drink? Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Hang out yeah. in that section of Walmart. Heath you Horton get... in, te in Texas would be a lot of fun to film. Uh, patriarchal, <laughs> patriarchal. All right. So here's where it gets uh, extra stupid, if that's even <laughs> possible. Apparently, the Conference of Bishops didn't realize their funding offer meant their organization was open to public scrutiny, which is not usually recommended for groups of Catholic leaders. Well, <laughs> right. in response to all this, a pro-choice group called Whole Woman's Health subpoenaed any documents related to fetal burials. And for some reason, the Conference of Bishops, they gave some of that stuff, but they refused to turn over about 300 of those documents claiming the, the First Amendment right to, to the religious exercise of secret document keeping. And... <laughs> No, that's not a thing, just to be clear. So once again, it went to court and multiple judges, including David Ezra, correctly pointed out how that's fucking stupid and told the bishops to hand over the information. But thanks to James Ho, a Trump appointed federal judge who would probably be an abortion clinic bomber if he was slightly more athletic. <laughs> uh, thanks to him. The latest appeal by the bishops was actually successful and they won't be following the law like Anybody fucking else would have to in the exact same situation. <laughs> yeah. They're just like, we really just want to know why they paid in gold coins stamped with swastikas. I don't think I it's said that case dismissed, David. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is obviously another example of the terrifying trend in American law that says uh, American laws don't count if you're Christian. Yep. But setting that aside for a second, more than anything, I'm super curious about these documents now. Right. What, what weird fucking plan involving <laughs> tiny little baby corpses are these bishops clearly hiding now? Like, it has to be at least as bad as we think or else they just release the documents, right? And just to be clear, we think they're fucking the fetuses, right? Oh. I mean, that's yep. the pattern of behavior, so it has to be worse than that. Yeah, I mean, when in doubt, Catholic priests are raping it. That's one of the axioms I live my life by. 
Patreon goal, Noah will get that tattoo. Well, I'll get another <laughs> one where you can see Already, it anyway. Right, right exactly. Get a visible one. And while Eli draws up some cool ideas for my new tat, we'll take a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she was. If it's a legitimate rape. It's a slut, right? It, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Massachusetts. You know, I'm starting to believe that even if they hadn't had to CGI in all of those Orakai armies for the Lord of the Rings, I'd probably still want to live in New Zealand. And not just for its relative safety in the event of a nuclear holocaust. It's also, as many of you probably know, the first country in the world that granted women the right to vote. And it's kept up that tradition of being a world leader in women's rights for the 125 years since. And no, I'm not trying to depress you by pointing out that the first national vote ever cast by a woman is only nine years older than the world's oldest woman. I've actually got some good news to lead with this week. And that comes to us courtesy of the New Zealand Parliament passing a new law requiring employers to provide paid leave to victims of domestic abuse. Now, to really dig into this, I'm going to have to wipe a little of the luster off the island nation. Because for all the good shit that the Kiwis have going for them, they also have one of the highest rates of domestic violence in the developed world. According to an article I read in The Guardian, cops in that country respond to a domestic violence incident every four minutes. In a country with the population of Alabama. And for a little more perspective, since I just happened to compare it with the U.S. state you most likely think of when you think of domestic abuse, that rate is more than 12 times higher than the rate in Alabama. And clearly, this legislation is designed to combat this, not only by giving victims time to find a new place to live, but also by reminding the society that a problem like this can't be solved by police action alone. But the countries that are better than mine don't end there. I've also got to throw some love to our neighbors to the north, who, by the way, do have two municipalities that already require paid leave for domestic abuse victims. But that's not why I'm talking about them now. I'm actually bringing them up to give them a huge pat on the back for standing up to the misogynistocrats running Saudi Arabia. It started with a tweet from Canada's foreign ministry expressing grave concerns over Saudi Arabia's human rights record and urging them to release imprisoned women's rights activists. And because foreign policy on Twitter is apparently no different than any other conversation on Twitter, it escalated wildly. Within 48 hours, Saudi Arabia had sanctioned Canada put a freeze on all bilateral trade investment, ordered 16,000 Saudi students to leave the country, halted all Saudi flights to and from Canada, and booted Canada's ambassador. Now, we should be super clear here. This is like a toddler destroying his own toys in a fit of rage. Canada has virtually nothing to lose from Saudi sanctions, and the hissy fit is already costing the kingdom a substantial chunk of investment, and not just from Canada. This kind of petulant nonsense scares all foreign investors of every kind. And they sure as hell didn't help their case by retweeting a Photoshop of a 9-11-style attack on Canada. Of course, judging by Saudi Arabia's reaction and the deafening silence from all the other countries that should have Canada's back, it's unclear whether Canada made things better or worse for these imprisoned human rights activists. But regardless, you shouldn't let another country's cowardice shut you up. If nothing else, it's just nice to know that some North American country still has the credibility and the inclination to stand up for human rights. And on that brief shimmer of a silver lining, I'll hand things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. Next up in headlines, Christian broadcaster Rick Wiles finished slowly applying 50 shades of gray into his hair helmet using a very small brush. Just in time for another episode of True News. 
the news show where ignorance is strength, spelled T-R-U. And during a short-form segment called Minitrue News, he did a quick rundown of the latest left-wing conspiracy. And apparently, big little guy has a three-step plan. They're going to turn everyone gay, then turn everyone Jewish, and then decapitate Donald Trump on the White House lawn. All right, two out of three, and not bad, not bad. (laughs) So, as the head news speaker for True News, it's apparently Rick Wiles' job to invent new hate-speechy verbs to truly capture the mindset of the right-wing American Christian. And that's why he was talking about how our country has become homosexualized. Uh, Pretty sure that one existed already. And also... Judeified is that Judeified. I think like that's a new one. <laughs> Judeified, and now that we're mostly gay Jewish people, apparently it's a it's an easy transition to beheading yeah. the president. I get it. You're a gay Jew on a quest for a giant cock to circumcise. You see a bald guy from the wrong angle. These things happen. No, right? But with Trump, it makes us even more sense. It would be like a national circumcision. You know, you like you know how Jesus could stand in for everybody's sins. Trump is like the Jesus of fleshy pricks. Ooh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah, the other main job for Rick Wiles is to study the complex system of code words that's being used by radical left wing media personalities like Rachel Maddow, who example. I learned this week is a totally different person than James Gunn. Crazy, yeah, right? And, uh, right, and that's how uh, Rick Wiles knew last week that she had just given the secret signal during her show telling liberals to start the 72-hour countdown on the violent coup that culminates with chopping Donald Trump's head off. Also, his entire family, too. Also, Really? Because I've always found Rachel Maddow's secret message to be, I'm trying to bore you to death. Quickly turn off your television. Yeah, I feel like the coup would be over by the time she got to the therefore, wouldn't it? (laughs) All right, well... Boo, love Rachel Maddow. So just in case it sounds like, <laughs> like, like I might be exaggerating, here's the exact words from Rick Wiles. Quote, we're about 72 hours from, um, and, and this is where we get an enormous pause while he sounds out cow in his head, <laughs> looks off to the side, definitely sees a producer whispering and mouthing, coo, like a baby, coo. Yeah. <laughs> So continuing the quotes, uh, got it, got it. Uh, 72 hours from a coup. You're going to turn on the television and see helicopters hovering over the roof of the White House with men clad in black, repelling sick down ropes, <laughs> entering into the White House. Apparently, they're going to uh, shoot themselves down the ropes real fast with magnets. Well, there you like go. <laughs> continuing the quote, be prepared for a mob a leftist mob to go into the White House and to drag Donald Trump out with his family and decapitate them on the lawn of the White House, end quote. How does one prepare for that? <laughs> right? What are they like, have appropriate music on hand? Arrive having eaten? I don't know. I just got to say, guys, over the last couple of weeks, I have just been loving where Rick's head is at. Like, let's get this guy in the game. <laughs> See him, have him run for a spot in Bronx. Nobody cares about. He's an idea machine. That's what I'm saying. He's an idea machine. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, as of uh, this recording, uh, that was about 200 hours ago when he announced <laughs> the 72 hours. 
So it looks like Rick Wiles might want to crunch those numbers again. Or, uh, or maybe he meant radical liberals wouldn't be chopping off the president's oh, head in the next seven right. hours. Easy. Um, but that's a weird story to run that we wouldn't do that. It's confusing either way. It's, it's, it's hard to say what he ever means. And in Booze Clues news tonight, former Playboy model and current child murderer Jenny McCarthy took to Facebook this week with scientific proof of the afterlife. Is it the nope. fact that anyone's still talking about Jenny McCarthy? Or Chris <laughs> yes. So Single given, that was amazing. Whatever. Yeah. So given the sheer volume of kids she's killed, it's no surprise that McCarthy thinks her house is haunted and posted proof of this in video form on her Facebook with the caption, quote, haunted just happened in my house. I had to look at the security tape to prove it. Ah, end quote. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> The tape's just thousands of twins from The Shining just covered in measles walking <laughs> Right, so the video is of Miss McCarthy, you know, staring at herself in the mirror for an extremely long time like normal sane people do. But then it appears that her piano plays itself for no reason. Yeah, I mean, if the piano had a motivation, on the other hand, that would be a different <laughs> thing. <laughs> Okay, somebody needs to visit Jenny McCarthy as the ghost of Christmas Vaxxed. (laughs) Well, and as the twins from The Shining covered in measles. Well, Um, right. Yeah, yeah, it is illegal for me to offer Heath points for this, so I will not, but uh, wink. Yeah. (laughs) Two votes, two two winks, whatever. No winks. That's a blink. That's a blink and it means nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So there's just one problem with her ghost video. The piano noise is actually the sound of her Google Home booting up, which <laughs> you'd think she recognized that or she thinks her Google Home is haunted as well. Yes. It's hard to tell. <laughs> she is, after all, criminally stupid. So it's hard. Yeah, mail yeah. from a ghost. What's happening? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we're talking about a person who heard a tone and assumed ghosts. I feel like as soon as you said, or she thinks you were barking up the wrong tree there. It's fair. That is fair. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to bring the headlines to a rolling close. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Jenga. And when we come back, it'll be the future. Hey, folks. No illusions here to tell you about our new sponsor, Robinhood. Now, if you buy and sell stocks, you've probably already heard of Robinhood. But hey, Noah. You... How's it going? Oh, hey, Crunch Biggins. What are you doing here? I heard you mention buying and selling stocks, and so I assumed we were going to follow up with some high-pressure in-community jargon to scare people into doing what we say. Manifest portfolio, upsell, the downspout. No, I was just going to tell everybody that Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. What do you mean commission-free? Other brokerages charge up to $10 per trade. How could they do that? I know. They've even got easy-to-understand charts and market ideas. You can place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. Do they have this? A video on your phone of you doing karate? No, I don't think that Robin Hood has that. You see those? Those are solid pine. Sure. Yeah. Okay. But here's the best part. Robin Hood is giving listeners free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build their portfolio. All you got to do is sign up at scathing.robinhood.com. That's scathing.robinhood.com. Wait a second. You're telling me no commissions, a free stock just for signing up. That's right. That's a downswell on the uptrade of market watch for sure. Crunch, 
what do you actually own stock in? Bear market. Okay. Robinhood. Investing. Now for the rest of us. That's a market made of bears. Sure it is, Crunch. As one trudges their way through the Bible, two things are always true. The stories you thought were long aren't, and they're always worse and crazier than you remember. But if we're going to act this book out so that you don't have to read along, we're going to do it in style. So once again, we're proud to present another installment of Bible Peace Theater. Lulu, Lou, doing desert stuff. Desert stuff is my favorite stuff. Hey, hey, Abraham, Abraham. Oh, oh hey, God. Who are these guys? Oh, these, these are my angels. Uh, that's Sarah. Hey. And this is Don Jr. Hey. And, um, uh... Eric, Dad. Right, Eric. Good, good kid. Well, uh, welcome. You guys want some food, footpath, anything? Cake. I want cake. Sa- Sarah, what did we say? Cake. Uh, please. I uh, please Dad-a-ger. want cake. That a girl. Sure thing. Hun, get some cake here. Get it yourself. She's cranky about having a baby at age 90. <laughs> Women, am I right? Yeah. So what brings you guys to town? We're actually going to go check out Sodom, see how your brother Lot is doing. Oh. I just blew a guy in the bathroom. Whose poop is this? Can I eat this? Is anyone going to eat this poop? Yeah, about that. Uh, hypothetically, if you got there and say everybody was, I don't know, top of my head here, gay and eating poop, uh, what would you... Uh, oh, I would kill them all. I would kill Right, kill them all. Right. That's what I thought. But like... What if there are some good people in the city? You, you you don't want to kill them, right? I mean, how many good people do you think there are in the city? Never mind. I figured it out. It's the dead guy's poop, everybody. Does anyone know who killed him? Who killed him? I, uh, maybe... Uh, 50? Oh, I mean, if you think there's 50 good people in the city, I'm not, I'm not going to kill the city. Don't worry about it. Okay, cool. What do you mean you all killed him? Do you guys all want blowjobs? Do you want blowjobs? Or maybe like uh, 40? I mean, 40? Sure, I won't kill the city. If you think there are 40 good people there, then we're totally good. Look, guys, I got to get back to killing people so I can eat their poop. Do you want blowjobs or not? Ten, final answer. Final answer. Sure. Ten people, I won't kill them. Hey guys, welcome to Sodom. I'm Lot. Would uh, would you like a free sample of poop? Uh, no thanks. I'll take some. Cool, cool. Where are you guys from? You want a foot bath or something? Heaven. We're from. I mean, uh, M- Missouri. We're we're from Missouri. Cool. Those those places both sound fake. weren't there weren't there three of you in the last chapter? Oh shit! We forgot Eric at the gas station. Guys, I got Twizzlers. G- guys? G- eyes? Oh, damn it, not again. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. It's it's cool. Cool. I'm Lot. You guys want to come by my house? Like, hang out for a little bit? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you got any more of that poop I can eat? I do. I do have... Awesome! Yes! 
So I said, well, then can I take the cheese plate with me? No, you didn't. I did. That's exactly what I said. Uh, hello? Hey, neighbor. Hey, Ichthar. It's it's actually kind of late, and I have Yeah, guests, I'm, so. I'm super sorry to bother you, but me and some of the guys noticed you have guests with you, and we were wondering if we could uh, fucking kill them. Really? I mean, it's Sodom, you know. Come for the gay sex. Stay for the shit eating. Yeah, honestly, guys, now is not a great time. Oh, um, you know, I hate to be that kind of guy, but this is important. Uh, I I have two virgin daughters. Do you want to fuck them and not kill them? really interested in the daughters, more interested in the guests. Sorry, I hate to bug you, but... Uh, we will break down the door and murder you, so... Ah, oh, guys, honestly, that is... So Wait, what's that? Someone want to break off a piece of this Kit Kat bar? Okay. You naughty boys, how about a peek at the girls? Here we go. Oh, my eyes! Wow, they all went blind. Yeah, that happens. That happens a lot. Uh, All right, you better skeet out or we're going to burn this mother to the ground. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll get my family. And uh, one other thing, don't look back. You don't want any part of this. going to be like mentioning the wage gap on a podcast up in this bitch. Do not look back. Yeah. God, it won't look back. Fire and brimstone, bitch. Fire and brimstone. Deal with it. Honey, you got everything? The angels are raining fire down on the city. Yes, I have everything. You sure? Because, I, I just again, if you look back, you're going to turn, turn into... Turn into salt. Yeah, I heard you, darling. I heard you the first time. Okay, I'm just making sure. I'm just making sure you got, like, your pots and your pans and everything. Yep, yep, yep. yes. Okay, yes. okay, just checking, because we're about to oh, leave. Oh, shit, I forgot my phone charge. And she's salt. Great. Mama's salt, kids. Don't add too much of your mom to your food. Man, we sure have been walking a while again, huh, Sarah? You said it, Abraham. Shit, it's Abimelech, the king of Gerar. <sighs> Sister again? Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Hey, Abimelech, how's it going? Oh, hey, Abraham. Wow, who is this? Ah, for Christ's sakes, I'm over 90 years old. You don't look a day over 70. Your palace? My palace, yeah. We're going to go to my palace. Yeah. Abimelech. Abimelech. God. Hey, uh, what's up? Yo, Doc, that's someone else's girl, bro. Who is? The the 90-year-old. Which, which one? Which 90-year-old? Ser seriously? You got a thing, guy. You need Judgy? To All right, well, Ages look, one, one, she's got the clap. Get a fucking shot, you big baby. You get a shot. You get a shot, Sarah. And two, that's my homeboy's girl, dog. You got to step off. It's my homeboy's girl. Okay, but like, he lied to me. That's not my fault. He said it was his sister. That's true. I guess not. Plus, nothing's, you know, happened yet. So like, maybe don't smite me because we didn't do anything yet. Okay. Cool. Cool. Hey, Abraham, is your fucking wife back? Damn it. I like that palace. And he might have had an intact penis. Ignoring that? I said... He might have had an intact penis. Hey, yeah, cool. So maybe you guys stop telling people your brother and sister. Just, like, go places. Like, especially since God is watching out for you. 
Well, I mean, we are brother and sister, though. Half brother and sister. Cool. Yeah, gross. Uh, so uh, it'd be great if you guys would just leave and go, you know, anywhere, not here. That'd be great. Just leave. Cool. I'll tell God to open up the wombs of your people again. Thanks. Uh, I guess didn't, didn't realize he closed my people's wombs. Good to know. Okay, the wombs are back open. Noted. Weird. And so it was at the age of 100 that God did visit Sarah and she bore him a son, Isaac. And that child grew and was weaned and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Ooh, look at me. I'm Isaac. I don't need to drink boob milk anymore. Meh. Meh, meh, Ishmael, Ishmael, stop making fun of your half-brother. Come on, Mom. What's the worst that could happen? Get rid of him. Who, honey bunch? The slit. The handmaiden and a kid. Get rid of him. I don't know. He is my son. Uh, no, actually, it's cool. You can, oh. you can just cast him out. Great. Okay, then. What do you mean, go? Yeah, it's just not working out. Sarah's super uncomfortable, and I don't want things to be uncomfortable, you know? We're cool, though, right? You got your water? You good? Told you so. Shut up, Polly 101 guy. I mean, I did, though. People don't like this character because it's true. Okay, out of water. Uh, tell you what, kiddo, why don't you go under that bush and uh, die? Uh, Mama's uh, going to die outside the bush, okay? Okay, Mom. Hega, Hega. Ah, cool. It's the God who told me to go back to Abram. Uh, Abraham now, yeah, actually. whatever. What's up? I, I just wanted to let you know you don't have to abandon your child. Look, first you give me to some dick-slicing psychopath. Now you're telling me I gotta... Oh, no, no. I mean that there's like a well right there. Oh, okay. Well, th this is awkward. Yeah, uh, sorry about that. Cool. Cool, I'm gonna go shoot stuff with my bow and arrow. You do that. Hey, uh, Abraham. Hey, Abimelech. Look, yeah, so here's the thing. Um, you and your, your sister, wife, Half-sister. Half right, yeah, gross, still. Uh, so, did you banish a slave that was the mother of your child into the wilderness because God told you to do that? No, I banished a, a handmaiden, if that's what you're asking. Cool. That's a, that's a fun word for slave. I'm thinking you move, like, even farther away than, than right now. Like into the land of the Philistines? I mean, those guys won't be around for, like, 800 years, but, yeah, uh, that's what the book says. So, sure, yeah, the land of the Philistines. Good. Abraham. Yeah, God. I need you to go to the mountains of Moriah and kill your... Son. Okay, sure thing. Really? Yeah. You're not going to push back on that? No, I mean, you're God, right? I am. Just thought maybe you'd be more bummed or something. I mean, you're God. Uh... Right, I am God. But how do you know that you didn't, like, go crazy? Nah, I didn't go crazy. God just showed up and uh, told me to kill my son, like he does. Right. But, like, how do you know that this isn't a test to see if you know right from wrong? Is it? No. So I passed. 
I guess so. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, how do you know I'm not the devil pretending to be God? Oh, because I play the devil in these bits. I do that voice. Meta. Right. Okay. Well, uh, go kill your son, I guess. You got it. That. One dead son coming right up. Sarah. Sarah. He said yes. 20 bucks. No way. Get the fuck out of here. Didn't even ask questions. It was what? nuts. Yep. I gotta tell you, Dad, I am so excited for our road trip. Uh-huh. We're gonna get there, and we're gonna sacrifice an animal, and God's gonna be all like, whoa, you guys did such a good job, right? It's gonna be a bat. Uh-huh. So anyway, I think my 15th favorite Pokemon is Bulbasaur, because he has a flower on his back, but when he becomes Venusaur, he can shoot out of it. Uh-huh. Abraham. Uh, Abraham. Hey, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, what's up? Um, yeah, so there was some misreporting lately, and, uh, the rumors that, that God told you to kill your son are not true, actually. Really? Because he told me right to my face, though. Yeah, uh, you're lying right now. Oh, okay. Uh, so don't kill my kid? Uh, no, don't. You... You sure? Yeah, positive. Uh, but hey, God says he's really proud of what a trooper you were about this. Uh, you're gonna have as many seeds as there are stars in the sky and grains of sand on the beach. Oh, okay, cool. And, and they'll be blessed above all other people. Really? So, uh, like they won't get massacred over and over and over and over and over again through history? Um, no. And you sure you don't want me to kill this kid? I am sure of that, yes. Okie dokie. Come on, kid, let's go home. Cool, cool. Anyway, I think my 16th favorite Pokemon is Hitmonchan, because he's a fighting-type Pokemon. <sighs> and content in the knowledge that it's smooth sailing for the Jews from here onwards, we'll put this bit on hiatus for a few weeks, but we'll be back in three weeks for more Bible Peace Theater. It's time for the part of the show that comes next, listener feedback. This is the part of the show that gets upset when you don't call. Our first message comes from several people who wanted to know if Eli really went on a meditation retreat a couple weeks ago, or if Noah was just joking. Um, and both. Jacqueline, as a, <laughs> as a fellow secular meditator, wants to know why Eli doesn't talk about meditation more often on the show. Why doesn't All he right. meditate more on the show is what I want. <laughs> <laughs> the, the silence would be nice for everyone, I'm sure. I did. I did actually go on a retreat. My wife was at a folk music convention with her parents for a week. So I spent eight to 10 hours a day just sitting. And it was great and difficult and needed. Um, Eli, uh, can I ask you a question? Yes. Did you pay money to sit still for eight to 10 hours a day? I did not. I sat oh, in okay. my All right. okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> living room on their oh, weird okay. old I furniture. sent him a bill, but he didn't. <laughs> no. And in fact, I spent the week bemoaning the fact that I hadn't paid money. I was like, oh man, but it's so much better when this costs thousands of dollars. <laughs> uh, and I don't talk about meditation on the show more because it doesn't really fit in with jokes about Steven Anderson. But, but I wrote a blog about it. My blog does exist. And next month, <laughs> we might have a guest post 
from one No Illusions on mm. there. So check it out. And we also got a message from all but six of you correcting <laughs> my pronunciation of agape on last week's quiz show segment. So the Greek word I was referring to is pronounced agape, which means the sloppy agape thing is a little bit closer to a rhyme. And I should have known that because I said it was a Greek word and I know there's no silent E in Greek. So sorry for that. I mean, those letters do spell agape, uh, but yeah, no, I was wrong. <laughs> Um, I had to mispronounce it to make the joke work, but judging from the 27,000 emails, tweets, Facebook messages, and Patreon posts, I should have probably skipped that mispronunciation, I guess. And look, not for nothing, I appreciate you guys correcting me and keeping me honest, and the 27,000 emails and waiting is a real good incentive for me to make sure I don't mispronounce shit in the future. Um, but just a quick favor when you do send that correction, uh, if you plan on sending it on Facebook or Twitter, Maybe check and see if I already have 599 of them. You know, that's that's public. You can't do that with email and stuff. But like, I literally couldn't use my social media for three days after last week's episode dropped. So by all means, correct me when I get something wrong. Uh, I prefer that you do that you don't. But yeah, like you remember that scene in Office Space when he's talking about how many bosses chew him out when he gets something wrong? I have over 100,000 bosses. So, you know, just to help me out a little, a little bit. Unrelated, does anyone know how to mass delete a bunch of fake email and Facebook accounts I created? <laughs> <laughs> They've all sort of morphed together in a nuclear shimmera, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> Being the stupid one is not always bad. <laughs> we also got a message from Garrett who asks, is there a place to go to find just your multi-part installments like the Holy Babel or Mormon Peace Theater? Um, yeah, and, and the answer, we get that question an awful lot. Uh, the answer is not really, but maybe hopefully eventually. Um, some of this stuff is up independently on YouTube, but not enough to actually go through the whole, like all the Holy Babel or whatever. Uh, we are working to compile some of our stuff for release, but it's it's one of the many things that we would do if we had infinite hours. Right. <clears throat> okay, we also got a question from Tesla's number one fan. He wants to know why Eli hates the environment. <laughs> and um, he's also hoping for some more investment advice from Eli to make up for all the money he gave up on that last tip. <laughs> Movie pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't lose, kids. Actually, there is something better. I saw this on Twitter. It made me laugh so hard. Someone was like, I feel bad about my new business, Movie Pass Pass, which sells Movie Pass subscriptions for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and finally, we got a message from Brett who unapologetically wants to kill me. Brett asks, you guys have a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday show. What would it take to make a Friday show happen? And if you were going to do another show, what would it be? Oh, okay. Uh, we started talking about this yesterday briefly. Um, yes. I think it would be called Eli Spends Way Too Much Money on a Prank War. <laughs> uh, be against primarily... Uh, ex-girlfriends and maybe like retail workers who disgust him. And I was thinking <laughs> it's mostly just Eli paying large troops of of uh, failing actors to follow around his mark and yell boo every time they <laughs> say or do anything. And uh, yeah, you know, well, pretty much anything else you can get troops of failing actors to do. And I'm sure hey, oh, we'd get creative. A lot of hand jobs there. OK, so and, and, and of course, what it would take to make that happen would be way too much money. So get on <laughs> exactly. That. By the way, little side note on this. I'm actually consulting on a magic prank show right now. What? And every time I submit something, they're like, what are you talking about? That's a <laughs> Why did we even hire you? You want to so kill mean. someone's dad? <laughs> oh, sorry. You want to fake kill someone's dad. 
<laughs> so Heath is closer than you think. Um, okay, so I think a video game Let's Play channel would be super duper fun. And I threaten to do this all the time. But you know how like all the popular podcasts besides ours in the atheism category are just like a dude talking to a guest for nine hours? That, but with Noah... And I get a third of the money. <laughs> I mean, one, I don't have to do any work. That's great. But two, no, yeah. how much better would Noah's show be than Joe Rogan's? Except for the part where he dies of exhaustion. How much more would you like Especially the show? part where he dies of exhaustion. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like the average person flailing to death in a studio would still be better than at least most of Joe Rogan's stuff. <laughs> if, if Eli fought Joe Rogan for nine hours, that would be a really good show, too, I think. Oh, He won't right, return so my calls. I would kind of like to do like a pop culture theme show, mostly because I want Eli be able to be able to write skits about TV shows and video games that he doesn't like. Um, oh, or, yes. and this is at least kind of based on next week's citation needed, I would like to do a show where Heath just tries a new sex toy live on the air every week and describes it to us. Um, and All right, we just got to turn the mics on. And that's <laughs> We're there. Yeah, and what it would take to make that happen is a lot more sex toys or more days between Thursday and Friday would also be nice. <laughs> cloning machine and that's all the feedback you're going to get if you want more keep sending us those emails tweets and Facebook messages you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com Before we skedaddle tonight, I wanted to offer one last reminder about the show in Chicago. We're in Chicago this weekend for our first U.S. live recording of Citation Needed with Tom and Cecil from the Cognitive Dissonance Podcast. The Platinum Night and the VIP seating is sold out, but there are still a few general admission tickets available for the main show on Saturday night at the Victory Gardens Biograph Theater in Chicago. Check the show notes. This will be your last chance. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight. We'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's Hot Friend God Awful Movies, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, and an even newer episode of our half-sister show, Citation Needed, debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, this episode would hide its face in shame forever if I neglected to thank Heath Enright for being the glue that holds this all together, Lucinda Illusions for being the tie that binds us, and Eli Bosnick for being the zip ties and liberal application of saran wrap that keeps our secrets safe. I also want to thank Mark and Jim from the Fallacious Trump Podcast for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. Seems like they got a boundless concept going over there so if you want to refresh your course on your logical fallacies or just want to gawk in horror some more at the man we elected to our highest office you'll find a link for them on the show notes as well but most of all of course i want to thank this week's coolest carbon-based life forms the fallacious trump podcast who was just next in line of the farnsworth quotes by the way don't want people thinking the farnsworth quote was pay to play now or anything tony valentine redacted julie alistair owen charles simon joel sean kuiper belt transport david and amelia the fallacious trump podcast tony valentine redacted and julie who are too bright to see stars alistair owen charles simon and Joel, whose cocks make the ocean sweeper thing look like a pool noodle, and Sean Kuiperbelt transport David and Amelia, who are so cool James Inhofe uses them as evidence against climate change. Together, these 15 phenomenal people, space fairies, and state secrets helped us leave the flaming turd bag of logic on the front stoop of superstition this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the money that it takes to give us money, but if your discretionary income is up to the challenge, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash atheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free version of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but you're not quite awesome enough to justify the compliment, you can also help a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, telling a friend about the show, liking our Facebook page, and thinking about us when you come. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres. Tim Robertson handles our social media, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music that was used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. 
Eli nailed it, huh, Morgan? Got mm. it. Put it together, Morgan. Get it together. <laughs> the preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved.